Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word tonight. Philippians 1.21 Paul writes these wonderful words. For me, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Lord, we pray, just bless your word tonight. Lord, bless the hearers of your word and give understanding. Lord, we know nothing can happen but by the power of your spirit. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, would you open understand and open hearts tonight, open ears to hear, and above everything, that Jesus would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. You may take your seats. Praise the Lord. These are powerful words. These are powerful words. Written by a man from a prison who had a radical encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say, in particular, I'm so encouraged with so many young men and women here, encouraged by everyone being here. But you know, I, I believe that we need to have a radical encounter with Jesus. Radical encounter. Not a radical encounter with church or a denomination, but a radical encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason for so much death, backsliddenness, indifference, and so many people just caught between two opinions is because simply, very simply, brothers and sisters, young people, listen, you have an encounter with the Lord. You have a radical, personal encounter with the Lord. Your life will never be the same again. Never be the same again. All the arguments, the debates, all the whys and the wherefores, all the he said, she said, all those things will become completely irrelevant when a man, a woman, young person, anybody, anyone, regardless of where they're from or who they are, but they have a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. In a moment, your life will never, ever, ever be the same again. We're talking about a man who had a radical encounter with Jesus. The church that he's writing to is a church that he's birthed, a church that he planted himself, and they were greatly concerned with Paul now finding himself in bonds and in prison, and they were concerned for his welfare, believing that his time was very short and most likely that he would be martyred for the Christian faith. And Paul is writing back to comfort the church and to encourage the church. You read it's a great it's a great epistle and he's encouraging them and showing his care and his compassion for them. And then he comes down into these great words here that we have been uh, looking at and he says, for me to live, you know, whatever's going to happen here, whatever's going to take place in my life, whatever comes my way, whatever storms are coming, whatever trials may come, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow as has been said already tonight, but whatever happens, I want to tell you something. If I live... He says, if I'm going to live, I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. And then he said these words, but if I die, if I die, he said, it's gain. Actually, he goes on to say, it's far better. I want, I want you to think about the words of the apostle here saying, to live is Christ, 
to live as Christ, for me to live my life, my breath, and everything that I do, and every day that I'm given, no matter how long that is, we know we're born and then we're appointed to die. But, you know, whenever we're given, if we meet this Christ, whatever he is going to do, the highs and the lows, the valleys, the troubles, the trials, the good times, the joy, the tears, whatever it may come my way, he says, well, if I'm going to live this life, I'm going to live this life for Jesus Christ. But I also want to let you know, don't be concerned about my death. Because he says here, he says, if I die, and when I die, actually it is gain. It is actually far better for me to die. And why could a man write these words? Why could a man say these things? Because Paul the Apostle had not had an encounter with a religious organization. He had not an encounter with a denomination. He did not have an encounter with a religious sect, even though he was once part of a religious sect. Paul the Apostle, once known as Saul of Tarsus, had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to say to you tonight, if you have not had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, that before you leave this place tonight, you can have a radical personal encounter with Jesus Christ that will change your life, not only for time, but for eternity. He testified of this encounter. You can read of the account in Acts chapter 9, but he was brought before a king in Acts chapter 26, and there Paul could not help himself but testify of the great things that the Lord had done in his life. He was arrested for preaching the gospel. The Jews had made some accusations against, against him. He comes before Festus, and Festus is examining Paul and realizes that there actually isn't any charges that are going to stand up against him. And so Paul appeals to Caesar, and Agrippa comes down with Bernice. And so Agrippa, King Agrippa, comes, and Festus says, Would you examine this man? Would you, would you have a look at this man, Paul, that I have in my charge? And so Paul is brought out before the king and the king says, now you answer for yourself and I'll paraphrase the testimony in some ways just for you to grasp it very quickly. The king says to Paul, now you have permission to speak and Paul the apostle comes forth. They say that he was small in stature but he comes forth and he lifts up his hand and he says, O King Agrippa, I'm very fortunate today that I'm here to defend myself from the accusations that are against me and I want you to be patient with me because you know the customs of the Jews. And then he begins to tell of his life, how he was born and where he was born, how he was brought up in the sect that he belonged to, and the religion, one of the most strictest religious sects he belonged to was the Pharisees, and he goes through some of those things with Agrippa, and then he says, then I heard of these Christians, these born-again followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I was filled with anger and fury that these men and women were taking some of our people, they were being followers of Christ, and so it rose up within me that I would get authority from the chief priests and I would put them in prison. I would sentence them to death. I would vote against them. My heart was filled with anger. I was such an angry man. I was filled with bitterness against these Christians. I punished them. I put them in synagogues. I tried them for their faith and many denied their faith. I was so furious with them that I persecuted them. And then it was on this very purpose, on this road to Damascus, with the authority from the chief priests to go after these Christians. It was midday, it was around the middle of the day. And he says, then I saw a light that was much brighter than the sun 
coming from the sky and shining all around me. And the men that were traveling with me, we all fell to the ground. And I heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? You're hurting yourself by hitting back or kicking against the, the stick, that, that stick that used to direct that ox. And I cried out, Lord, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus. I want to tell you, friends, tonight, that encounter radically changed Saul of Tarsus for the rest of his life. A personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. A man that would give himself to live for Christ. Because he met Christ, his life was completely changed. He was born again of the Spirit of God. His life would never be the same again. And he simply said, see if I want to live, I want to live for Jesus. And see if I die, it's far better because I'll be with him. You see, you can't kill a man like Saul, Paul. He was already dead long before him. Long before that Roman sword came down and took his head off. He's already dead because his life was in Christ. And so the Lord commissioned them. And we've heard a little bit tonight, even in the prayer of Brother David, about the Lord commissioning this man. The Lord spoke to him. And I want to tell you, friends, I want you to listen to me tonight. In this day, the Lord needs men and women and young men and women to be arrested by the Lord Jesus Christ and to hear his voice and to know the direction of God in their life. And I want to tell you, you can know God's direction for your life because God is a God that speaks. God is a God that directs. God is a God that leads. God is a God that provides. And he says to Saul, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles to open their eyes, to turn them from the darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they might receive the forgiveness of sin and inheritance amongst them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And Paul, Paul the apostle, as the prophet laid his hands upon him and he received the sight and he was full of the Holy Ghost, here was a man that was set on track. Here was a radical encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say something, friends? A couple of years ago, I, I seen this on the news right up about Spelgadam, that the waters had receded so much, and nobody knew that underneath the waters, or maybe those that are from that area or, or old enough to remember, maybe, I don't know. But as the waters receded, apparently there was a little village there that became exposed. And nobody had seen that it was there. But I want to tell you something. See us in another way. See as we end, come into the last of the last days and everything is waxing worse and worse. I tell you what's going to be exposed. A radical Christianity. You don't have to move. Just be a Bible-believing Christian. Just believe the Bible. Andy and Ruth sing it with the kids. I believe the Bible. It's the Word of God. As this whole society is all moving this way, I'm going to tell you, just stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. A radical Christianity begins with a radical encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, a personal encounter with Jesus, a man or a woman to be born again of the Spirit of God, to be changed by the power of God. This is not religion. This is not turning over a new leaf. This is not starting to attend church. This is the born-again experience. A man or a woman can be born again of the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle. When God lays a hold of a life and a heart and saves them by the grace of God, then praise the Lord. That's a radical conversion. That's the greatest advertisement of God in this world. Now, we look for better words, but a life changed by the power of God. 
Friend, if you've never encountered Jesus Christ and know him as your Lord and Savior, to know that your sins are forgiven, that your name is written in heaven, then before you leave this house tonight, I want to tell you, Christ is in this house to save your precious soul. Paul was a man that was on the wrong road. Listen carefully, friend, tonight. He was on the wrong road. We are born in sin, shaped in iniquity. The Bible says all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We're all born sinners going the wrong way, going to a lost sinner's hell. And this is the message of the cross, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to redeem us and to lift us and deliver us from the powers of darkness. He's on the wrong road. Friend, tonight, if you're not saved, I want to tell you with all the love of God in my heart, you're on the wrong road. You're going the wrong way, and it's a way that leads to destruction. The devil's so subtle. The devil's so deceiving because he promises the riches and the wealth and the good things and all the pleasures of sin. He says, I'll give you all of this, but I want to tell you, the end thereof is death. The devil's a liar. He entices young people. He enticed, when I was young, he enticed me into that world. And only by the grace of God, I was saved and delivered. And I believe it's because of a praying family and a praying church. Oh, God, have mercy. He's on the wrong road. Friends, if you're not on that narrow path, you're on the wrong road. It's a road that leads to hell. It's a road that leads to destruction. And it's because of our sin, because we'll do it our way. But I want to tell you, friends, tonight, God's here to meet you. You repent of your sin and you believe and you confess. You can be set free. You can have a radical encounter with Jesus tonight. You see, so many, even in this room, they believe in God. They know he died on the cross. They know that he rose again. They believe the Bible. The Bible tells us even the devils believe and they tremble. The revelation of the death and the resurrection of Christ and what it means to you individually and your response to him so often is missed because people just come along and attend church. We'll come to church, we'll, we'll come along to the things, we'll hear the songs, we'll sing about that old rugged cross so despised by the world and we'll believe all those things. But how many people have come so close even to know these truths but yet they're lost and they've gone to a lost eternity? Just thinking of that very hour that Christ hang, was hanging on that cross in Luke chapter 23. If you turn over to it for a moment, then we see there was many people around the cross that day, many even involved in the crucifixion, many that even were crucified with him on the same day. And they were so close, they could see the Savior. They could look into his eyes. They could see the awful agony that he'd gone through, the suffering and the shame. In Luke 23, it speaks of these two thieves that were hanging on each side of the Christ of God, the Lamb of God, both of them looking upon the Savior's face, mocking the Lord. They were looking at the Lord. They were looking at the hope of the world. They were looking at this salvation in Christ, and they began to mock him. If you're the Christ, save yourself. If you really are Jesus, save yourself. 
They look right into the eyes of the Lamb of God. They've seen the crown of thorns. They've seen the bloody mess that he was hanging on that tree. And they looked at him. If you're the Christ, save yourself. Save us too. And the other answered and rebuked him. And he says, do you not fear God? Seeing that we are in the same condemnation, verse 41, and we indeed justly, we receive the due reward of our deeds. But what has this man done amiss as he's looking across into the eyes of the Savior by the power of the Spirit of God and the grace of God, this thief deserving what he got, suddenly the light dawns upon his heart and he realizes this is the Lamb of God. We deserve what we're getting, but he's done nothing amiss. And then he said to the Lord, wonderful words, he says, Lord, as he's hanging on the cross, he said, Lord, remember me. What a cry. What a cry. I want to tell you, friends, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take a 10-minute prayer. It's a cry from the heart tonight, like Peter cried when he was sinking in the water. Lord, save me. Lord, remember me. Jesus said unto him, through all of that agony and all of that pain, the greatest words I believe that came from the cross that day, to that old thief land on that cross beside him, he said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Today. You see those Roman soldiers mocking him, beating him, spitting upon him, ripping the clothes from his back, whipping him over that rock, taking the hairs from his face, leading him out up on the Golgotha's hill. And there they lay him out on that cross and they cast their lots and they kneel him to the cross and they raise up that cross and there he hangs. The Prince of Glory, the Lamb of God, hanging on that cross. What for? For you and for me. There he hung shamefully on that cross to take away our sins. And people look upon it. People see it. But yet they're not converted or radically changed by it. Why? Because this is not an intellectual thing. This is by the grace of God. This is by the power of the Spirit of God that God suddenly opens a heart and eyes and they see for a moment. Tells us in Matthew chapter 27, if you turn over, as it was coming to the very end, that in verse 50 it says, Jesus, when he had cried with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. This is what the Bible says. Listen to these words, verse 51. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent and twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks did rent and the graves were opened. Many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection, went into the holy city and appeared to many. And then there's an old soldier, a centurion, that says, now when the centurion and they that were with them watching Jesus, watching Jesus, they seen him, and they seen the earthquake and the things that were done, they feared greatly. And this is what he said, truly, truly, this was the Son of God. Just in a moment, Eyes are opened. Understanding is illuminated by the Spirit of God. You see, Jesus said about the wind blowing where it listeth. And under the sound of my voice tonight, some will be asleep. Some will be indifferent. Some won't listen. Some will have hardened their hearts. 
But you see, it's not even in the persuasion of the preacher as much as we'll persuade men, but it's by the power of the Spirit of God moving on a congregation. And there could be just one that in a moment of time, their eyes are opened, their understanding is illuminated by the Holy Spirit. They see the Lamb of God and they say, Lord, remember me. That's all it takes, friends. Just a moment, a moment in time, by the grace of God, that our eyes are opened and we see him for who he is. Oh, for a revelation of Christ. Oh, for a real encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe the greatest need for many today, even that just go through church attendance, you know what the greatest need, need is? More intellectualism. More understanding of the great doctrines of Scripture. Maybe go to Bible school. Those things aren't wrong. But I want to tell you what the greatest need is in the church of Jesus Christ today, old and, old and young, is a fresh encounter with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the greatest education you'll ever have. An encounter with him. You see, I could talk all day, and many of the great men that are in this room could talk to you and understand you and speak to you all day and talk the things in and talk the things out and that's not, that's not wrong but I want to tell you see in a moment when someone bows the knee before the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit of God meets a man I want to tell you friends not a, there isn't a thousand sermons could do that but only the Spirit of God the man truly sees how many come so close like these men on Calvary's hill how many are so close, even that thief who was right beside him died and went to a lost sinner's hell, one went to glory. Think of all those Roman soldiers, brutal, hard men, and suddenly at that moment, that centurion, truly, this is the Son of God. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said in John 12 and 23, the hour has come. And the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Then this is what he said, verse 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, he says, let him follow me where I am. There shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Sunday the 18th of April, 1999, a young 17-year-old girl went home after church, 17, 17. And she penned these words. I want you to listen. Now, I've given up. I've given up on everything else, and I've found it. To be the only way to really know Christ and to experience the mighty power that brought him back to life again, to find out what it means to suffer and to die with him. So whatever it takes, she said, whatever it takes, I will be one who lives in the fresh newness of life of those who are alive from the dead. Powerful words for a 17-year-old to write. 
Two days later, she walked into her local high school. Two gunmen burst in, pointed a gun to her head, and said, do you believe in God? She said, yes, I believe in God. The man mocked her for a moment, pulled the trigger, and that young lady was absent from the body and present with the Lord. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I want to ask you tonight, friends, do you know Jesus as your own personal Savior? See, I don't know what tomorrow holds, because tomorrow is not promised to any one of us. Not one of us. You know, we may make plans, think we're going to live to this age and that age. We may have pensions. We might have great ideas about what's going to happen. Can I tell you, listen to me, friend, tomorrow's promised to absolutely nobody. What's the most important thing about your plan for the future? It's simply this, that you know Jesus as your own and your personal Savior. That's all that matters. Nothing else matters in this world that you know Jesus as your own and personal Savior. To live as Christ. You see, a, a rapid changing world, we know it speaks, we've preached on it regularly, many have preached on it. We're living in a rapidly changing world, secular, pagan. I don't believe I need to convince you anymore of the changes in the days in which we're in. But, but listen, I... I, I I believe passionately that for every single one of us, it's a radical encounter with Jesus Christ and a personal relationship with him day by day is going to bring us through every storm and every trial. And one day, praise the Lord, it's going to lead us right home. Paul's in that prison. I'm going to tell you, friends, that prison didn't hold him. He was free as a bird. To live is Christ, but to die, to die is gain. I want to ask you, I'm closing in a moment. It's just very simple tonight. Have you had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you saved? Are you born again? You'll know straight away whether you are or not. There's no halfway in, halfway out. Are you saved? Have you given your heart to Jesus? Are you washed in the blood? Are you born of the Spirit? Have you met the Lord? Is your name written in heaven? You know, I met a man yesterday. Amazing how you meet people. We were legging it across a car park because the rain came on one of those showers. And he was running a bit faster than me to get to the door to get shelter. And then we just met at the door. And then we ended up talking for maybe 45 minutes. He was a believer. He talked about this verse, is what he said. Matthew chapter 7. I've quoted it before, but some of the most sobering verses in the Gospels. Verse 23. Many are going to say to me in that day, these are the words of Jesus, Oh Lord, see me, I've done these great things in your name. 
See me, I'd done all these great things. I give to the poor. I was part of the church committee and we give, we fed them and we done this and we done the other. It was all about them. And the Lord turns around and says to them, many, depart from me. I never knew you. Is that not the most sobering of verses? Do you know him tonight, friend? Can you point to a time? You may not know the date and the very day and the very week, but you know there was a moment in time that you met Jesus and your life was changed. Would you say amen if that's ever happened to anybody? Radical encounter with Christ. Tonight, before you leave, if you're not saved, listen, this is the most important thing. The greatest thing can happen to you tonight is an encounter with Jesus Christ. He's your Lord. He's your Savior. He's the Lamb that came into the world to die for you, to take away your sin, to save you, to lift you off that path that you're on, that wrong road. That's the road that leads to hell. To put your feet on that narrow path, that's the road that leads to heaven. And heaven's a wonderful place. Heaven's a wonderful place. Far better. Far better. You know, this word's filled with fear. I want to tell you, believers, we haven't got the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and sound mind. We're going to meet him someday. What a day that's going to be. We meet Jesus. Are you saved? Are you saved? That's the most important thing. Are you saved? Let's pray together.